What to preach on when this is your 7,000th High Holy Day season and half the congregation has heard all of your other High Holy Day messages at least once before. And so what I thought I'd do this year is concentrate on the Haftorah and especially the Torah readings for this time of year. And so tonight and tomorrow morning, we'll be looking at sections from Genesis 21 and Genesis 22. Tonight's message is called The Everlasting God. The Everlasting God. Genesis 21, 22 to 34. And of course, I have forgotten to bring up my Bible. So talk amongst yourselves. Thank you. Genesis 21, verses 22 to 24. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Pichol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, And the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Pichol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, El Olam. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. No doubt... It had been a difficult 25 years for Abraham. But now the new parents were enjoying their new baby son. Remember, though, that God had also promised Abraham that his descendants, through Isaac, would inherit the country they were living in to be their very own. And so my purpose tonight is to focus us on the eternal nature of God, the everlasting God. I want us to marvel at God's greatness because he is eternal. Abraham received two amazing promises from God. One, he would have a son in his old age and his descendants, two, would inherit a land that would belong to them forever. Genesis 48, 4. Behold, I make you fruitful and numerous and I will make you a company of peoples and I will give this land to your descendants after you 
for an everlasting possession. And so as we come to Genesis chapter 21, Abraham has finally received the son that God had promised. Abraham and his wife Sarah had to wait almost 25 years after God promised a son before Isaac was born. Abraham and Sarah not only had to wait a long time, they had to wait for the impossible to happen. Sarah was 90 years old, and Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. No doubt, it had been a difficult 25 years. But now the new parents were enjoying their new baby son. Genesis 21, 5 to 8. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Remember, though, that God had also promised Abraham that his descendants, through Isaac, would inherit the country they were living in to be their very own. But Abraham and his family were still living in tents. For the time being, Abraham dug a well and pitched his tent in a place he named Beersheba. This would later be known as the most southern town in Israel. It appears from the next chapter, by the way, that Abraham and his family lived in Beersheba for at least the next 15 years or so. And in verse 33 of the scripture that I just read, we find a new name for God the everlasting God, or in Hebrew, El Olam, the God of eternity, the everlasting God, the God without beginning, the God who will never cease to be, the God who will never grow old, the God to whom eternity is what present time is to us. This describes God as He is And it extends beyond our greatest vision of who we think God is, no matter how great our concept of God is. He is always greater. The fact that God is eternal can sometimes be a difficult idea to understand. I mean, like, how long is forever? We may joke and say nothing lasts as long as a new breakfast cereal that you can't stand. That was a joke. Or nothing wears as long as that ugly carpet whose hideous color you hate. That was the second joke. Someone else put it this way. Nothing on this earth lasts forever. With the possible exception of public broadcasting pledge weeks. That was the third joke. These things may seem eternal, but in fact we know that they aren't. Only God is really eternal. And since God is eternal, he is not limited by the constraints of time. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's never in a hurry. And he's never late. The past, the present, the future are all the same to God. This also means that nothing could ever take God by surprise And that God has never learned anything since he has eternally known everything. Romans 11.33 puts it this way. 
O the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God's sovereignty extends through the passing of time and beyond our ability to even see or understand. Picture, if you will, a large table. And there are dozens of objects scattered all over this table. And imagine how an ant would view the things on this table. It would crawl to one object and explore it, then move on to the next object and explore it, and then another, and then another. And we could say, if you will, that the ant would go from one thing or event to the next on that table. We, on the other hand, could look down on the table and see everything all at once. And as we go through life, we experience it as a series of events. As we go from one thing to another, God, though, sees everything all at once. I think that this helps us to understand a little of what God meant when he told us that, quote, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it was this knowledge, I think, this knowledge of God that prepared Abraham for the test that he would go through in the next chapter of Scripture when God would ask him to sacrifice the dearest thing that he had, his one and only son. You see, an eternal God can do anything. In Genesis 22, Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. Habakkuk 1.12, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We will not die. So the question I want to pose tonight is this. How did El Olam change Abraham? Abraham already knew El Elyon, the God Most High. We find that in Genesis 14, 19, and 20. He also knew El Shaddai, God Almighty or the All-Sufficient One. We read about that in chapter 17, verse 1. But now he had a new name to use in his worship. And it's important as we go through the life that we learn more and more about God so that we can worship him with a fuller and deeper sense of understanding. And I believe that every time Abraham learned something new about God, it was exactly what he needed to know at exactly the right time. Dear ones, God is all we need when we need him, period. When was the last time you learned something new about God? If that is not exciting to you, then I got news for you. Heaven's going to be boring. We are not judged by the presence or absence of our faults, but by the direction of our lives. The question is, what direction is your life going in? What is different today compared to what you were like last Rosh Hashanah? Genesis 21 to 24, Abraham promised to do right and to not deal falsely. You see, Abraham had given Abimelech good reason not to trust him. <laughs> In chapter 20, Abraham lied and said that Sarah was his sister. 
he said it out of fear that Abimelech would kill him in order to get to his wife. I think it's exciting to watch Abraham grow in his walk with God. He left a pagan land when God told him to, but he struggled with being honest and being a good leader at times. And now we see Abraham showing a very mature and humble attitude as he works through some problems with a pagan leader. Genesis 21, 25 to 32, Abraham claimed a down payment on God's promise. That was the well at Beersheba. You see, some of Abimelech's servants had taken possession of a well that Abraham had dug. And so there was a problem now between the two men. But God had promised the entire land of Israel to Abraham. But Abraham knew that God hadn't given it to him yet. And here we find that Abraham took possession of a well, almost like a small down payment on what God would give him later. You know, Beersheba means either the well of the oath or the well of seven. God has made promises with us too. Eternal promises are only good. Eternal promises are only good if they come from an eternal God. The Lord has promised us an eternal inheritance in His presence. Promised to all who embrace the forgiveness that Yeshua purchased on Calvary. And while we are here on earth, waiting for the completion of our salvation, the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. The Holy Spirit as a down payment. Or a proof that we will also get the rest of His promises. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Do you sense that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? Do you feel His comfort during times of trial and tribulation? Do you experience an understanding of the Bible through His direction? Maybe an understanding that you absolutely know didn't come from you? Do you feel the Holy Spirit's conviction when you sin? Well, if you do, then rejoice in the proof that one day you will be in the fullness of God's presence. And in Genesis 21, 33 and 34, Abraham showed his faith by planting a tree and calling on the everlasting God, El Olam. Our time of waiting for the promise, dear ones, should be spent serving and worshiping the everlasting God. The tree that Abraham planted, or who knows, it might have been a grove of trees, would be watered by the well that he had just purchased. Abraham planted this tree or trees as proof that he believed in God's long-term promise to him. Abraham would probably never benefit from a tree that he planted in his old age, but it showed that he believed that one day his descendants would enjoy it. Now Abraham had something more permanent than a tent. He has something invested in the very land that God promised. Abraham's covenant with Abimelech only guaranteed possession of a well that provides water to sustain life. 
But God's covenant with us guarantees that we have the living water that gives everlasting life to all who would trust in the Savior. But is Yeshua Messiah everlasting? Well, the Hebrew Scripture had called Messiah everlasting. Isaiah 9, 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Micah 5, 2, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Yeshua claimed to be everlasting. John eight thirty eight. I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. John eight fifty eight. Yeshua said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And the Brit Hadashah declared Yeshua to be everlasting. John 1, verses 1 and 2. In beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in beginning, with God. Hebrews 1.8. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. And finally, Hebrews 13.8. Yeshua HaMashiach is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why is it important that God is everlasting? What difference can this truth about God make in our everyday lives? Well, number one, because he is everlasting, El Olam's protection is perfect. His protection is perfect. Circumstances, persecution, even sin may drag us down, but an everlasting God cannot let us down. Deuteronomy 33, 26 and 27, there is none like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to your help. Are you listening? who rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms and he drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. The youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The everlasting God, El Olam, His plans are certain. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things long past? For I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and the ancient, from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And the eternal God, his rewards are secure. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 103, 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. And John 10, verses 28 and 29. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. But the eternal, everlasting God, His rejection is also eternal. Matthew 25 and verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And Matthew 25, 46. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Revelation 20.10 And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Does El Olam seem distant to any of you? Maybe the reason God seems so distant to you is that you don't know much about Him. Maybe the reason you aren't interested in spending a lot of time praying or worshiping God is because you're really not all that familiar with the everlasting God of the Bible. Listen to these words of Charles Spurgeon as he encourages us. Quote, What we call past, present, and future... He wraps up in one eternal now. And if you say that He loves you now, please listen, you thereby say that He loved you yesterday, He loved you in past eternity, and He will love you forever. For now with God is past and present and future. I don't normally do this, but I want to close with a poem. You can praise God, I didn't write it. It's by a gentleman named Isaac Watts. It's called Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, Our Hope for Years to Come, Our Shelter from the Stormy Blast in Our Eternal Home. Under the shadow of Thy throne, Thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. 
Before the hills in order stood or earth received her frame, from everlasting thou art God, to endless years the same. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guard while troubles last in our eternal home. Dear ones, if there's one sentence I want you to remember from the message tonight, it is this. Both for those here who have believed in God's Son and the gift of eternal life and those who have not believed, please remember this sentence. There is no fear of the future for those who trust the God who is already there. There is no fear of the future for those who trust in the God who is already there. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu Shabashamayim, our Father and our King in Heaven. Father, I can't wait till the other side of this life so I can really start learning about You. but I thank you for the lessons you give daily. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they might come to know you more and more each day as they seek your, pay, your face, as they pray to you, as they open up their hearts, as they repent for things done wrong and praise for the wondrous works that you do in their lives. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who does not know You as Savior and everlasting God. May their, be, their future be as secure as those of us who have trusted in You. And I pray too for those who have trusted in You but still struggle with fear. I'm reminded, Lord, of a verse that I was reminded of again this morning from the book of Romans. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption, so that we might cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, to you this Rosh Hashanah evening, I cry out to you for my people and for those who do not know you. Abba, please save. And I pray this, In the name of salvation, Yeshua. Amen.